So what was this radio show you were talking about? This radio show was at CFRC, which was a campus radio, but apparently it had way more than that. And it was at that time, the we had one hour on Thursdays for the Persian kind of shows that we were at first we were started just playing music for one hour but then we started basically inviting guests to tell us about what they did and of course tell us students how they find jobs how what they should do what they should basically be more focused on be more careful on when they submit their resumes and things like that till it become actually then we saw there is uh, people from the city from other cities so then started having some sort of a phone uh, interviews with more famous people about how they became famous. For example, if the song they read or they sang or, for example, what the, the song they wrote. At first it was musicians, but then after that it became to more and more. For example, the one of the other ones was the... Uh, which apparently had a lot of good feedbacks was from people who give mortgages, who regulate mortgages, and especially Guelph is same as Saskatoon, is it more of a student place? For a lot of newly started families, they were very, very interesting. Usually nobody goes in Guelph, Ontario, unless there are students. So it was a big student community. Big student community or student related, of course. Very agricultural because Guelph is the number one. Um, so Guelph is top. Guelph is the top in agriculture. Oh, right. Especially food. And how long did you do the radio show for? For about two years. And then after that, then about for another three years. Then when I say after that, I was there for some time. Then I found a better project here. I approached here. They said, sorry, we don't have any time. Then uh, after I got back to Guelph to do my doctorate, then again, I had for about three years the show. Tal, it took me one year to kind of figure out my timing and everything. So then after that, I don't know right now because I tried to pass it on on a, let's call it the safe hand. But uh, I don't know if they continued that at all or not. Ooh. I remember in one of our shows, uh, we had even listeners from, they call it international listeners. But of course, we told our friends, hey, you want to listen to me? Go online. Uh. <laughs> so this was internet radio. No, no. Ooh. It was a uh, complete, for example, um, radio. So broadcasted. Exactly. Broadcasted. It was a, a very good studio and everything. But... Also, they started uh, online access at that time as well. So it was very exciting for them. So people listened to them online. Yeah. What made you start the radio? Every single time I talked to someone, they said, you have a good radio voice. So then I thought, okay, let's do the radio. And it was fun. It's a lot of work. Even recently, I got some sort of a... Like one of the people on campus, they told me the CFCR. They also had an opening. They said, uh, that person said, it's on Saturday mornings. Go do it. Uh, you have done it. You have experience. I said, for God's sake, Saturday mornings? Yeah, give me some time. I need to yeah, rest. I need to. How about Sunday <laughs> nights at 3 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I haven't really. And also, you know, you kind of do it at some point, Then after that, you kind of become... Then I thought, to be honest, these days, not many people listen to radio. 
Yeah, the only time you listen to it is in your car. In your car. If you're in that car that time, Saturday mornings, who's in the car? Yeah, who's tuning in at that exact hour? Exact hour on that radio station. Uh, station, yeah. exactly. So. Yeah. so then you transitioned from there. Where'd you go? How lucky I was. Once I graduated from doctorate, it was recession. So no job were posted at all. So I had to hardly find a job. My first job was at the pizza place. So lucky, luckily, I found a job at the pizza place. Then after that, somebody contacted me at Niagara College in Niagara region. They needed somebody to teach. So I went there, started teaching and started doing uh, basically helping companies doing the same thing pretty much I do. See what's their project is, especially for the new startups. And then after that, working mostly on the kind of other products they could have. And that was happening with the help of students because at the same time we were supervising students to make that product ready for them. So hopefully it will be their next job. And of course, there were a lot of startups didn't have money. Uh, at college, we had money, so we were matching dollar by dollar. So then I took that idea. I brought that idea to Brock University, started working with a lot of professors. And at that time, there was a famous fund available called NSERC, and they had the fund NSERC Engage, which helping for businesses to scratch on the ideas or new ideas of industries only if they work with universities. So we started working together. I was the one finding a lot of these businesses, sometimes giving them ideas, a lot of times taking the ideas and making it happen at the university, especially with the help of professors. They were very, when I say they, means uh, a lot of um, industries, especially startups or bigger industries. They were very excited because they always wanted these free consultancy. Not only free, they were actually doing their projects for free. Means the money was given from the government to them and to do these new ideas they had. So after doing that one by one, and of course, the idea was my idea to bring it to the university. I was the one working uh, through that. Till one day, somebody told me, what if the fund is not available? Which is not unusual thing. Of course, there is priorities for government. There is just so much budget. And they make funds available or unavailable depends on their priorities. Therefore, at that time, I started thinking of maybe I should think about something a little more secure. I started looking for other uh, sources or other jobs till I found one good offer from Saskatchewan again, and I accepted. They were a little surprised at first. Why from Ontario am I saying yes to their job? Till I actually told them, okay, I lived in Saskatchewan. I like the place. So I love to go back to Saskatoon again. So they did everything. However, it was on a very booming industry at that time, cannabis industry. And it was just starting in Saskatchewan till by the time the company wanted to establish everything and have me over to do and manage the lab and everything, which was a quality control lab at that time. Apparently, 
Saskatchewan started seeing a lot of requests for the license. So the license waiting time became more than a year. And the company realized, oops, we cannot wait that long, so very sorry. However, that very sorry was told to me just a week before I arrived. And I arrived, so I thought, what should I do? I started applying for other jobs till I found the position I had with the government of Saskatchewan, almost doing the same, helping them to get the fund from government and see the opportunities, helping universities to access to other industries to get the fund that is available for research. After some time, I realized that working with government needs specific people who would like to work for government. And it's unfortunately, that's not me. And of course, because there is a lot of uh, not only bureaucracy, of course, government has its own agenda and everything. I realized they're not really on time and also um, talking about the current issues. They're still years, years behind. So then with a lot of sorrow, I had to say goodbye and got back, started doing my work by myself and not surprising very much. After that, um, a lot of the companies I worked in the past with and some of the I would call it clients that never heard of me, perhaps, they started talking to me and saying, what if you would do this for us? What if you would do that for us? And everything that was possible, I tried to do. I'm not saying I have many clients at the moment. That's another thing with agricultural consultancy, which could be anything from, we call it from farm to fork, because that's what I do the most uh, on the food and also processing side. And I started helping them on many other aspects. And of course, the parts that I don't know, I'll be upfront with that. There's a lot of things I don't know. However, with a lot of things, I already have experience working for different fields, especially in the academia and also with other industries. I let them know these are the projects I've done and I'm not really scared of taking new projects. I cannot say if you want somebody who is years and years experienced in this particular field, maybe that's not me. However, in the ones I have experience and in the ones I could easily obtain experience, I'll be more than happy to do it. I'm confident to say yes or I'm confident to say no. So that's how other clients approached me. At first, it's of course very interesting, very busy, and everybody wants their projects to be over in less than a month. You will make it in less than a month, and then they want it to be continued to the next step, to the next step, till sometimes, beauty of that is you can get a lot of clients. Uh, not much of a beauty of that is the some of the clients, important clients come at the same time. And then after that, for some time, you do nothing. So consultancy, of course, has this part of the, especially in agriculture, has this part, clients that also they want the name to be always, always uh, confidential. And that's another part which comes to business development and also the other part to the business consultancy that you cannot talk much about who you have experience with. You can just say, 
what you have done. And that's another part which usually even if I tell you I have experience in, for example, in from product development, from the marketing, from uh, regular processing, from uh, partnership with certain industries, their expectation, their business expectation, intellectual property, so on, so on, so forth. A lot of clients might take that as because they always ask, okay, who did you have experience with? And once you cannot say, then you might be taken as not very serious, but also as maybe you're kind of exaggerating a little too much. And that could be also the, I would call it, um, the kind of... Um, I try to well, find a, double a better edge. example. It's That's a double-edged right. sword. Double edge. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the example was coming to my head wasn't that polite. So, <laughs> um, so it was a double-edged sword. Uh, and also the ones they already know you, they trust you. The ones they don't know you, then they take some time to get back to you. And some a lot of times, those times, it still goes forward. Of course, the companies who would do projects with you and they're happy because most of them, they like to be confidential. They don't go and they don't advertise you. Unless times later, which is, of course, in Saskatchewan, that time hasn't arrived yet for me. They would say, for example, oh, yes, we did a project with him or we know of someone who did a project with him. They like it. They don't like it. But of course, in the in every project, there is always this chance it goes forward, it doesn't work, or it works. And if it doesn't work, they don't want to talk about it at all. Of course, with consultancy, there are other difficulties, uh, and there's other good things. Which products got you the most excited? One of the products that was actually at that time was starting the new ingredients, especially call it green ingredient. Green ingredients usually addresses uh the ingredients that comes from nature directly and of course right now market when i say market people they trust those ingredients the most because once they see it coming from certain plant that they know they like it more because maybe human being for thousands or sometimes million years has consumed those plants however sometimes the especially in the field when it comes to food something we have to basically make it clear sugar is sugar doesn't matter if it comes from apple or from certain industries who would produce sugar so if somebody would have diabetes they must be careful about the sugar but of course people like to have which is totally respectable to have green sources or natural sources for that so one of the products that was actually part of my education as well was the antifreeze proteins antifreeze proteins there are proteins that go around ice crystals they don't let them they don't let them to grow generally market knows it as antifreeze proteins but in the um, science community they usually address them as ice structuring proteins. So means 
it's not that it wouldn't let any freezing happens. It would just doesn't let the crystal grow, which means in your ice cream, you will not have freezer burn. Oh, yeah. Which means your ice cream could stay much longer and you see everything is uh, produced from a plant as well. So you don't see any non-familiar name in the ingredients. Everything, especially if you see your ice cream has some source in, for example, in wheat, then, of course, if I suggest you, okay, the ice cream A has a wheat source, the ice cream B has, for example, xanthan gum, which is almost doing the same, although that's a gum, that's a different structure. So then you totally think that's the same, uh, oh, I will go with the plant one, with the wheat one. But of course, not knowing pretty much both of them do the same thing. Same action. Same action, however, same role. One and has even, a familiar name. <laughs> exactly. And also perhaps the one with xanthan gum would be a little better because it's a pure gum means there is no other elements, no other ingredients are attached to it. With the plants, the difficulty is to purify certain things. For example, with the winter wheat uh, that we got that thing from the leaves, the problem was the grassy flavor. So we could not add more because the grassy flavor was getting a little more intense. So, of course, it would ruin the flavor of the ice cream. Then who would buy it again? That's the thing sometimes with buying or insisting on nature elements. Those are the things for the producers that could be problematic. Although, again, it's all about what market wants rather than what I'd like to do. Yeah. Do you want grassy flavored ice cream that's something you recognize? Or do you want... (laughs) (laughs) wonderfully favorite ice cream with something some people can't even pronounce that's right (laughs) exactly that's very true the other part is how to make your name known to a lot of industries how people will react to your name and some of course some industries wouldn't heard of it yet some industries has heard of it yet pricing of it and also um, the other part right now these days has become the word consulting because of course Many, many, many people use that word for many different reasons, not necessarily for consulting. And that could become also another hurdle, which could work against you. Again, thank you for helping on the double-edged sword. So yes, it could be a double-edged sword. However, of course, your experience, your background in the field, how you help, and the diversity of the help, because not necessarily as a consultant, you could just work in one field, you could work in many other fields. I remember last week I had a meeting um, with uh, one of my clients who wanted a partnership with certain industries, which was those industries wanted partnership with the beer and distillery industries, which uh, with breweries and distillery which of course right now we have some of them it needed um, some investment from them and that's of course hard to obtain but also those partnerships are important and again knocking at someone's door that you haven't seen yet that would be a little challenging because they don't know you if you're lucky they would just answer the door so those are also the other things but of course Hopefully, people in this field 
have grown or working on growing their uh, contacts so again a lot of times i understand probably your listeners have heard of this word networking networking and networking how important is that it is important in many many fields not just uh, in consultancy of course consultancy would benefit from it i wouldn't say the most but definitely one of the most but also in many many fields networking is always very work as a savior oh yeah well especially because you can't even tell your resume to somebody because it's so confidential that's right. So they have to get to know you to see if you can actually produce. That's right. And yeah. even if they see your resume, what do they want to do? Do they even get a minute to read it? That's another thing, because usually those people are very, very uh, busy and they have certain ideas in mind. They still need to talk to you. Again, with a lot of clients I've had so far, I saw them in a lot of networking sessions and usually tell them what I do and who I am. And again, from many, many hands you shake, only perhaps one or two will go back on the phone to call you again or hopefully email you. Yeah. So you've explained to me all the challenges. What makes you stick with it? The other part is the, of course, uh, having your own business. Of course, I'd like to say I'm on top of the market, but uh, basically trying to follow the market and also trying to figure out what's next and how you can update yourself for that next step. And that's again comes back with something that is that some sort of an, I call it a need or some sort of a, um, excitement in yourself that you like to be always on top of the market. You'd like to be always the person who be part of the new phenomenon that happens in the industry so that's the part that always uh, I would say makes people happy and again the view at the life you will have of course if uh, the life uh, converts everything to money uh, maybe it's not a very um, I would call it a money making but of course it's very very exciting because every new topic that will be introduced to you will open many, many doors. Even at the first, I did not know of. But then, of course, the project moves along. I'll try to find a solution for that. And from each of those items that I think could be part of the solution, and they are not, they could be just one of those, aha, uh -huh, I found something else that could be perhaps good for the other one. Then this time your fingers will go on the phone or on the email. Guess what I found for you? And um, so that's the case to be always. Um, that's what I say to be always on top of the market to always make your brains fresh. Ah, you enjoy the learning them. aspect of it. Keeping yourself on your toes. That's right. Yeah, that's very right. So what was your last aha moment? My last aha moment uh, was when I was doing a marketing project and designing a marketing plan. It was at the time when he was talking about kind of the different sources or different resources you could use for marketing and also different expectators you could invite to your marketing plans. 
And that aha moment came about one sort of a process that could meet many good markets, not necessarily in North America, in Europe, in Asia, in perhaps Africa, that could be that product could be designed that way. And then after that could be processed specifically for the market you'd like to go to. That's the part uh, that I thought that could be, okay, if they all use this way of uh, processing, then it would be much easier and much cheaper for them to actually go to those areas. Sorry, I can't again, for the same reason, I can't again talk about the what was the process and what the was process exactly. covers a broad field. Very and it can be field. converted for certain sectors easily. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Because that's, again, another thing which a lot of producers, especially the new producers, uh, they might not know that, for example, if you are in Canada and you are producing something for, for example, Middle East, then you need to think about what do they want in Middle East the standards that are used in Canada or in North America may not be that effective for you or make this product useful because you're not going to sell it to North America anyways. So why should you follow that bearing a lot of cost and again have to convert that to what they want in Middle East? Follow the protocol for the Middle East exactly. instead of following the Canadian protocol. It's not getting sold here anyways. Exactly. However, again, not many of those are that different. But again, product could become a general product that could be at one day that could be converted to any other market. So one of those aha moments in how to market the product and also how to convert it to certain of those process. And that was the one that actually the idea that aha moment came from the marketing side. Then from that, then I thought about, oh, I did actually that project for that specific company. And now I see how it could be. Of course, they had certain expectations, uh, but now I could see if they could do it this way. But how come only they? many other processors that they could do it that way but that's another uh, challenge is the if you knock at the door of a certain companies and say hey i have a solution for you they say well good luck go enjoy your solutions and yourself unfortunately sometimes the nature of the business because they don't like to spend any any penny on something that is not their priority however if it's their priority, they invest and invest and invest. And knowing what's their priority, that's something that needs a lot of networking and also a lot of trust building. That they know what they tell you would not go to their the competitor. com sorry, competitor's hand. Oh. That's another thing, <laughs> which is sometimes very tough because you just use your <clears throat> general knowledge. Or your college general knowledge, knowing that that had been added on from certain respect. Uh, and that's, again, coming with a lot of these uh, non-disclosure agreements, with a lot of those that uh, how much you can share. 
or how free are you to share some ideas but necessarily not saying where is that idea coming from oh what's a big mistake you see most companies doing i see many of the food companies they don't have any although this is i'm not sure what they would do that Many of the food companies, they don't have any, any sign that this is this company. Whenever you go on the road and you see a company, you see a production facility, which doesn't have a sign what it is, most likely it is food. But why they don't do signage on their facility, that is still I don't know. The other part is the, I understand the secrecy. Um, I understand some of their regulations. But one thing is right now is the the type of competition they do. At one day, would be just uh, taking the competitors down so my product would be sold. Not you take it down, but somehow do something. Right now, I guess that area is over. If you'd like to be a good competitor, you better be a good collaborator. That's what I say. In collaborations, you'll have access to many other resources that by just competing solely, you would not, would not have access. So, and that's why years ago, a lot of companies started their collaboration businesses together and making certain products together. And that's something I would say, which is very good idea. Very, very good idea. In today's market, that would be uh, received much better rather than just uh, don't buy from Tony, just buy from me. However, the day they see Tony and I are shaking hands, that's the day they will trust me and they will trust Tony. My clients will trust Tony. Tony's clients will trust me more. Oh, now they're collaborating and seeing what processes they can do together That's to right. both maximize their company. Maximize their company, maximize their resources, and also to have this opportunity to add your processing to their products and vice versa. Instead uh, of building fences, you made friends. Exactly. So... <laughs> I like to describe when I say you just generally, uh, what's the problem with that? That's something that I, uh, and it's also to the listener of this podcast is the, I like to think about, is it something that they think would be useful or is it something that they think would be just hurting? Whether basically collaborate or compete the way that building fences or sometimes, unfortunately, I'm, I hope and I'm sure nobody goes that way, but unfortunately that exists in an ugly way. And when I say ugly way, they go to some extent to advertise against or use other sources to have their name detached, but basically ruining the certain products or so on. It might be better if they weren't into that other company, see what they can do to make it better because then it's better for everybody That's instead right. of calling out what they're doing wrong without any solution. That's exactly, exactly, you just nailed it perfectly. And also having general ideas, because of course, let's say you as a brilliant man working for certain companies, for example, how would I have access to you? No way. But then collaborating with that, I could actually have your ideas included in my product as well. So what's the problem with that? I think what they fail to realize is when you're creative, you can share all your creativity because your creativity is only going to continue to grow as you continue to challenge yourself. That's right. But also at the same time, profit is shared as well. So no matter what, that creativity could bring profits 
that you could take part of it. And of course, you shape part of it. And the more and more you will have it, the more and more profit you can gain instead of just compete solely just by many, many, many competitors. And again, ha not having access to quite a number of markets. You do not have access, but then by collaboration, you will have access because they already done their work. They already spent a lot of monies to get into that market. They already know that market, how you should do it, when you should do it, what kind of a shape you have to make it rather than just you go and spend some month and sometimes, hopefully not much, but sometimes a few years to kind of find out what is the specifics of certain markets, what kind of product do those people need or want or say yes or say no or packaging or many, many, many yeah. different when things. When somebody already has done the research, let's talk and figure this out. That's right. <laughs> However, at the same time, it's not just them. Of course, you share your experience as well. And they would say, definitely, most of them, they would say yes. Yeah, well, you never know what's actually useful because you don't know the entire picture. That's right. That's perfect way of saying it. And also, and I understand that sometimes there should be somebody or there should be somebody who would be the person of trust from both sides that they could make these companies work with each other, that they could make that phone call that the other side would actually answer. That's the part. That's a big challenge. That's a, that's a big challenge. Other than that, they always look at each other as great pals, but uh, nobody knows uh, if they're very uh, interested to talk to each other or not. Yeah. yeah. So you were saying one of the challenges with the consultancy is you'll get a lot of work all at once. How do you manage your time when you're being pulled in all these directions? That's another part which uh, I would say as a consultant, you need to be very also clear with yourself is can you handle that much or not saying i can't do it at the moment but i could do it later in my opinion will create more trust rather than you actually do a very weak job because that tells the person i would not go to majid anymore never again but once you do a good job but of course once you get busy what can you do you have only, I call it in a good day, maximum about 14 hours. But even in that 14 hours, do you have all this time to work? You have to take some time off to rest. You have to take some time off to read or to have meetings in between or so on and so forth because the battery needs recharge. So that's the part that the people have to be very honest with themselves about what they can say yes to, what they can say no. And also the customers that at the moment or the clients that at the moment are working with us are at the moment are very important. So we cannot just after saying yes to them, start doing the work and again returning as a no. Because again, what is the feedback going back to that specific client? So those are the things that need to be perfectly communicated with the client and especially communicate it with yourself. So it means knowing yourself, uh, not just thinking, okay, I'll do it, no problem. I'll just do it that day, I'll just do it this day. Of course, after one week or maximum two weeks, then once you are crashed, you are just crashed and you lose a lot of time. When did you learn this? 
Well, unfortunately, I learned it by mistakes when I was a grad student, which I was all the time in the lab working because I was late at certain things. So I did not have, I could not make it one of my assignments. And with a lot of saying sorry and again asking for again and asking for what just one more chance, one more chance, I was able to pass the course. So which could have been very detrimental if I would have uh, failed. So um, then after that, then I had to rethink again, what am I doing wrong? Because I'm pretty much all the time working. But then looking into, yes, of course, I'm doing the work, but am I really uh, efficient? Then no, I'm not efficient because do I have any resting time? Not really, because I always take the work home and the rest of time I was starting working home on that. So then I made a rule with myself as of the, okay, if I need to stay in the office till 12 a.m., I'll stay in the office till 12 a.m. But when I go home, no work goes at home, nothing. So after that, home became some sort of a uh, freedom sanctuary that the second my brain was just adjusted, okay, I got home. So everything was relaxed till I had to leave again. And uh, that was a good, good, basically, uh, practice for me, which I still carry on these days. However, with consultancy, especially these days, we need to work at home or we need to work from home a lot of times, which means a lot of times we can just dedicate a room or part of a room uh, to that and always have a, some sort of a schedule when I go do the work. When not, of course, sometimes you're late sometimes, and those sometimes could be exceptions, but not every day would be an exception. So that's something that people must um, have um, to recognize. Exactly. You actually said yes to everything before, and you didn't have an off switch. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big mistake I did because I thought, oh, no problem. I can totally do that. I can totally do that. But of course, and again, I'm not saying this is, of course, saying no to certain companies is always good or something because they really need somebody now. Uh, they can't wait. But they also um, need quality work. That's right. They also need their work to be done. They can't just wait and see, oh, oh something uh, where a week just happened. Uh, that work is not done perfectly. Because at the end, if it comes to negative results, we have to also tell them why it is negative and what is the way to actually change that. I myself, of course, got my doctorate as well. So it's, uh, I could say, many, many, many words such as those ISPs, uh, things like that, ice structuring proteins, uh, which I said earlier. And a lot of those, I can make a lot of those, I would call it fluff words that nobody would understand. However, if my client would not understand me what's the chance that they actually transfer me a penny yeah you got to communicate in a language they'll understand that's right <laughs> it's very true yeah so what do you do to recharge then when i'm not working i'm a musician when i say musician yes of course i sing i play violin and a lot of times i usually as a recharge go meet my friends part of my works is actually at coffee shops to change the scene going out of home and working with my computer at coffee shops, a lot of the communications I have to make through emails. And those are the things when I say people need to know themselves very well. What would actually 
make them comfortable what would actually make them recharge for me it's a lot of walking through the day which makes my brain well i would say switched off but i wish it was like that that was actually one time in bbc that were saying once people are walking they're more innovative a lot of those ahas come to my mind when i'm walking without even thinking about them and then of course i'll try to remember so i go home and see if that actually could be feasible or not some of them are not feasible at all it was just some ideas that didn't have any base but uh, some of them could actually grow into some sort of a new processing or new solutions for certain processings i've done in past yeah yeah so you enjoy you play the music you get a little active that's outside right. nature and then that's right also you go to the coffee shop because a change is as good as a break you change the exactly. environment and even it's interesting during the covid during the lockdown which uh, i was staying at home and doing my governmental work at home i remember after work i used to go to there is a coffee shop in town come up with a very very great idea they set up a table outside so on the phone we were ordering the coffee and we would transfer the money and they would put a coffee on that table outside so we would go and pick up that coffee and just again sitting in my car and having the coffee so just to be outside but again this is coming from somebody who is uh, extrovert and also who need to be seeing other people as well so that's again that's part of knowing yourself and what could actually recharge yeah that's right sounds like you also took a lot of time to learn about who you are that's right and what works specifically for you exactly and that's something i invite everybody to work on themselves try to know what they actually like what they dislike what would be something annoying for them what would be something very relaxing for them however playing with cell phone is not really helping because always goes to something that always gets well it's a continuous loop yeah. that cell phone is designed to capture your attention and hold on to it <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's yeah. right so that's again always uh, having something or doing something that doesn't need much of the brain if the work is with a lot of brain so that's works uh, that helps the best yeah. yeah so what surprised you when you first started consulting I didn't know it, it would have that much of a challenge because I thought, okay, I already know some industries. Uh, however, I have to say, uh, consulting just didn't start it in Saskatchewan. I have done this back in Ontario as well. So at first I thought, okay, I know these companies and I just approached them and we'll see. They probably will have something for me. And surprisingly, most of them, they had nothing. They didn't have any funding resources. At those times, I used to bring them resources or bring them resources by matching them with a certain faculties and bring the money from the government at that time in Ontario as well. So, and of course, everybody who would say no to free money. Then I realized, okay, so that's the, how the business work. Then I have to either think about resources or I have to see how are they willing to share with me what is the current problem of course the more they get to know you they are more open to tell you what that they need and what you can do and of course the more and more they think about let's say 
the capacity you could bring, then the more and more you become on top of their agenda. Oh, so that's yeah. again. They realize you can bring value there. That's right. Mm. That's right. What's a common problem companies come to you for? Usually the common problem, of course, depends on which a lot of these processing companies depends on the day of, uh, when I say the day of, the time that they actually think about it. Because it's not surprising within one or two years, they always have similar problem because they try to meet the market for that similar type of issue as well. They want, of course, do something that would be done cheaper or with less waste with the current processing, with the current products that they're using to process and then they have the final product. There is not much to change because your hands are very, very tight. Because that, for example, that processing machine, or let's say that milling machine, for example, could do till certain point. There is not just, for example, you have a solution of okay if i adjust the speed or if i adjust the pressure for example to that level you could just make it happen just instantly it's not always the low-hanging fruit that you always know where it is and they don't processors that have been around for quite a some time they already know that so they and also by knowing your capacity they already know how to approach you and what to ask but with a lot of for example New companies, sometimes they think, okay, this is something like a secret that you know of. They don't. And that's something once we hear, once they hear, okay, with your processing at the moment, there is not much actually we could able to adjust. Uh, sometimes they get upset. They try to find other people. That's a thing. Always something that would apparently doesn't produce that much waste or work more efficient, which again, sometimes depends on what sort of the raw material they use or the variety of the raw material they use. That's also a possibility. A lot of solution would need perhaps a little more spending. Oh yeah. You have to change a lot of it to actually see the result and it won't pay off for itself until down the line. That's true. And also sometimes if they need to, for example, change the variety of their raw product, most of them, they pick that variety because it was cheaper. So they've already done most of the work and now you have to figure out the finishing touch. That's right, finishing touch. And you have to even tell them the bad news. Now you have to go towards that thing that was more expensive. And that's the part they might not really happy to hear that. But however, again, part of my, I would call it uh, expertise is uh, upcycling, which means how to use the byproduct at the co-products of your processing to make it into a new product. That's also that's something that I have spent uh, most of my years of study on that part, which I used to call myself a garbage scientist, because I always look at the garbage to see what else we could do with that, which these days they are more meaningful because uh, we need more food for the number of people on Earth. And we do need it because I guess that was this year, 2023, that they estimated that we might not have enough food for everyone. Of course, not that we always do, because there are some nations that they never get to use the amount of food that they need. So, but it's just the how the amount, the content that had been produced may not be enough. And if 
if that was true, then perhaps from now on, it will continue. Oh, what's your go-to method of upcycling a byproduct or co-product? The go-to method, of course, there is not just one method. It's just to see how they processed and what type of uh, ingredients they have. And then where could be the solution for them? And if the company would like to adopt that, which one and how the process will go or which I could help them a lot more, who would be able to actually process it for them or for themselves, which could be a new client for them. But again, making all those connections and all of that, those are the things I do to find out what they can do, who would do it for them, and if they need some sort of a, let's say, a new buyer who would uh, buy it from them and making those connections and all of that. Oh, Because it's not all about producing it. It's also who's going to buy it. That's right. Who's going to buy it or who's going to buy it as is or who's going to buy it a little semi-processed or uh, what kind of, for example, machinery do they need to make it to that level or make it into the final product. And of course, new machinery means investment. Do they have that much resources, which they that that's something they need to work with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best practice you've seen a company do? Instead of putting a lot of pressures on their staff, one of the things is they always support them and they always kind of encourage them to come up with a new product or what can be done. Of course, pressures will have a very bad, I will call it, um, I call it, I guess here. We we get a bad result from it. Bad result from it. And also that person would not be the person of yesterday anymore. Why? Because now they're asked to do something more, which they might not know well. And now, of course, they get more stressed out. And how can you have expectation from a stressed out person? So you want to stop the pressure and add the encouragement. That's right. Add the encouragement to their own staff because a lot of time they might actually have a very good solution. Because they are the ones who have been with this company for some time. They are the ones who know from A to Z for these companies. So they are the greatest as well. Um, Yeah, they have all the experience. Let's use a gentle approach. That's right. Gentle approach or let's say, and a lot of time they have, uh, they know other people who could be a good solution for that problem. So that's a lot of thing is the, again, to encourage the staff rather than putting too much pressure on the staff. What are some of the worst practices you've seen? Of course, not all the time. I, sh- I don't want to put it in the way that when they want to do it, or let's say when just making it cheap is their target. I would say making a quality should be the target. That's what brings people back to buy your product again. Just making it cheap so you make more money, maybe once or twice. But then after that, basically your product fails. Not just your product, your brand fails. And the trust fails. And good luck. Yeah, so you need a quality product instead of something that you can get out the door, trick somebody into buying it. That's right. But they'll never buy it again. Yeah, they never buy it again. And again, industry to industry is different. Of course, in the food agriculture industry, uh, we cannot expect to sell the products um, 
for a lot higher. That's all basically make it profitable is just the quantity you sell. How to bring that quantity, the number higher and higher would be the quality. Oh yeah, because they already dictate the commodity price. So That's you, right. for them to actually choose you, you better have the highest quality. Exactly. Because that again comes with the thing about asking yourself, what would I buy? Why would I buy it? Of course, maybe if the money is tight, you'll buy something cheap. But then when the money is not tight, would you buy it back again? Um, or when you compare it, you have exactly. a higher quality product compared to what you were used to buying. Exactly. So that's again, it's a lot of times we are the best person who would answer that question. Honest answers to ourselves. That's something very important. And that's what I say with the knowing ourselves. That's something very important. Sorry, I just get into spirituality, <laughs> all the doors. I told you it opens on many doors, many doors. Yeah. So again, it's not necessarily being spiritual. It's just the why am I doing this? Why am I uh, going to that store? Why always I go shop from that store? Why am I buying, for example, that chips brand all the time? Of course, we like the, but why not, for example, the other brand? Have you tried that yet? If they have the same flavor, why not? Or if you do that, which one do you go to? So again, a lot of different reasons that we could ask ourselves why. The answer might be to me that somebody says, oh, I don't know, but to themselves, I'm sure they know that, or maybe they haven't think about it, but I'm sure they know that. Again, it's not just because it was uh, 20 cents less or 10 cents less. Dig deeper. That's right. Figure out what's going on. What's going Take on. Take yourself off that autopilot and question some things. That's right. Yeah. And again, give yourself an honest answer. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson being in consultancy has taught you? Many people these days use the word again. When I say many people, people who are out of job, people who are just new, people who are uh, maybe no experience, um, they use the word consultancy. And again, I would call it the biggest lesson is the how to not just compete, working in that market with a lot of those brands and that I just told you how they could basically uh um, making the work consultancy very hard because the first uh, feedback people would have, not feedback, but the first reaction, the second they see the word consultant, say, oh, he's one of those. That's again, that comes as some sort of an issue that hopefully could be resolved with networking. Yeah, because you get labeled as a consultant. As a consultant. That label so probably, broad. That's right, right? But so broad uh not being um used properly or in an again honest way so again how to uh differentiate yourself and i would say it's definitely comes back to um how how many people do you know and how do they know you for yeah so comes back to networking that's right integrity and your quality service that's right that's right. And also, of course, it doesn't hurt getting help from your friends or your former colleagues to help you to find uh, clients. Or if they know somebody who's in need, they would also tell you so you could approach them. So as a big lesson is the, the more available I am, 
like any other business, the more and more feedback or the more and more businesses I could get. Yeah. yeah. So keep the lines of communication open and That's build right. your community. That's right. Open, but still be honest with them. Absolutely. Just don't say yes because they offer good money. Um, just don't say yes because uh, to get that money. But don't do it for the paycheck. No, exactly. Yeah. Because once you uh, ruin the trust, good luck to get it back. Yeah, good trust luck. is everything. Exactly. <laughs> well, Majid, should we call it? Should we? Yeah, for sure.